The podcast you are about to listen to is explicit and may not be suitable for children. Some content may be triggering and graphic. These stories are real. And as we all know, real can sometimes be hard to look at. However, it is necessary for healing and growth. Welcome to Stumbling Through Enlightenment. I'm Jason. And I am Lori. And I'm Edward. Every day we are working through our shit. And today we invite you to work through some of yours with us. Let me give you a quick rundown of what we're going to do in today's episode. The first part of the episode is where Ed, Lori, and I talk about what's going on in our day-to-day lives and where you'll be able to hear how we support each other's growth. During the second portion, Lori, Ed, and I will have a deep dive discussion topic ranging from self-awareness, metaphysics, mental health, personal discovery, and much more. During the third portion of the show, we're going to do a segment called Off the Rails. This is the funnier side of the podcast, where we talk about Lori's trippy dreams, top 10 lists, and all the weird and wild things we come up with along the way. So, how is everybody this week? Does anybody have anything they're working on? I've been working on, um, like, worthiness recently. Oh, okay. You know, feeling, um, I've been examining a lot of my relationships. <laughs> oh, as gosh. As the first of the year, I like to do it every once in a while. Right. Yeah. Um, and I just, I've been really struggling with the comparison of my mother's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um... I think I've stopped calling my mother my mother, and I've started calling a woman who was very much a mother to me my mother, yeah. if that yeah. makes sense. And it's weird because I don't really know necessarily how to differentiate because I don't see a difference as far as being a mother anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, No. So the... We call her princess. Yeah. Right. So princess is basically has been my mother since I was about 16. My biological mother mm-hmm. um, is obviously my mother. <laughs> right. So. The woman who gave birth right, to you. Right. Right. So I've always seen like, you know, there's my mother and then there's the person I wish was my mother, kind right. of. Right, right. You know yeah, you had I mean? mentioned that a, a little bit ago. Um, and then, I don't know, just this last couple of weeks, I think around Christmas time, I've been thinking a lot about her. And I just, I don't, I don't feel that way toward my biological mother anymore, if that makes sense. Yeah. But I have a hard time, I wouldn't know what to identify her as other than that. Do you know what I mean? Right. Just the, you know how um, people without fathers that are then adopted by this great stepdad that love their stepdad and their stepdad considers them their child, you know, they'll say, well, there was the guy that helped make me. The sperm donor. Right. That's used a lot, you know. My father. Right. And then there was my dad. Exactly. So you had a mother and then you get a mom. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. So I've been, uh, that's what I've been working around lately. I've been trying to to figure out um, also some of the, the good sides. Uh, we had talked about that at a different time too, but um, like seeing the good parts of my mother. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Because I think in the last maybe three years I've really seen a lot more of the truth of my mother uh-huh. but not necessarily um, in a balanced way so I've been trying to like think back and think if I can remember like times where I felt comforted or whatever by her yeah so that's been interesting because it's it's been tragic really yeah <laughs> yeah you know because there was 
I can look back at so many things and see, like, I was misled, you know, or it was just manipulation or whatever. Um, and I think because of who my mother was, I don't, I, I have a really hard time assigning her the responsibility. Yeah. Mm. Like, she was supposed to be a mother. Right. But the type of mother she was supposed to be is really her own kind of life. You know what I mean? Like, that's her own life experience. And I don't know that it's just two different types of mother. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if it's really that, like... She versus she knew what she was doing right. while she was doing it. Right. Yeah. I think she lived a very blissfully ignorant existence. Um, for but a lot of things. You still were worthy. Right. Of deserving. A good mother. A good mother. Yeah. Right. And that's that piece to always remember the understanding that she was here on her journey, doing her thing, learning her lessons. Yeah. But you deserved. So yeah, more than more. you got. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's been that's been a lot of what I've been working with and just trying to balance that feeling that I feel, you know, when I think of a mother and think of what that means to me, that that's no longer associated with my biological mother. Yeah. You know, it's almost like as the curtains have gotten pulled back, yeah. there's been less and less less and less attachment to because um, a lot of like when I look back at a lot of things it's 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 things right you know what I mean what I mean like my mother exposed me to all kinds of things that I would have never been exposed to yeah you know arts and theater and and history and I mean we toured all of the plantations and you know we went on Rainbow Row and like right. you know we've seen the St. Louis Arch like it's these things but the entire time it was always uh, like sickening you know yeah it wasn't <clears throat> good but yet I can say that I've been to the St. Louis Arch and I've been to you know New Orleans and right. Mardi Gras and like I mean so it sounds yeah. good the, the experience sounds good on right. the surface but it's right like you look back at it and I mean I know I had really really shitty times but my summers were typically good times right and realizing that they really kind of weren't good times they were really just Less bad good times? activities. Oh, good activities. With, yeah, right. With less bad times. Yeah. With less dangerous times. Really. Yeah. Right. You right. know what I mean. So like, somewhere in my brain, because I was being such so psychologically and physically damaged in one corner, you know, the other corner felt like it was great. Yeah. But as I really look back on it, it's it's what we're doing is great yeah the feeling of it is not really great right it's like when we were talking about the word love being used I mean if it's a dead word it doesn't mean anything but if right. but if the kid can feel it it means everything right so if you'd have gone on those trips and the feeling had been joyful and loving and the feelings that you got from her to add to the experience had been that of love. Right. It would have been amazing. Right. But all you have to take from it is the experience without the well, yeah. good feelings around it. And yeah. it's the experience of the activity. It's not even yeah. the experience right. of the it's emotional. The, experience. the emotional experience no. There's no emotional, other well, than the ill feelings, right. That's but nothing good from his right. biological mother came from that. Yeah. Yeah, so I that's been it, it's made Christmas interesting because I've been one side of me has been sort of mourning the perception that I've had and then the other side of me has been like feeling really grateful for the moments 
I had with my mom versus my mother. Right. Um, And realizing the difference. You know, like, we had, I think this, I don't know if this has come out yet or not, but we were talking about when I went to Disney. Yeah. Right? For Christmas. Well, you would think that that would be, like, my favorite Christmas ever. But I'm realizing now that it really wasn't. Like, this year where we went to, they had this big winter thing that everybody could go to. And we all met up there as a family, me and my brother and sister and my mom. And, Uh you know, uh, and we all just, like, hung out for hours at this thing, you know. And there were reindeer and, like, she was just totally into it the whole time yeah and she kind of like pushed her boundaries a little bit because Uh she was in a wheelchair at that time and you know some of the roads were some of the areas were kind of slick and like she felt on she was scared but like she still kind of pushed through it to enjoy it with us yeah looking at those moments and thinking like wow like she wanted to be with us so much because of who we are yeah that she was pushing herself to do that yeah and that's a hell of a gift that's I mean, that's, that's beautiful <laughs> i mean yeah. that's that right as opposed to you know i've spent the right amount of money yeah or i've attended the correct activities right and now i can go back and tell people what a wonderful thing i did for my children and make myself right. look good and i've got great that. pictures because i picked out their whole wardrobe yeah right? and i've dressed them the entire time <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's ridiculous yeah so yeah, yeah, that's what I've been mulling around the last few weeks as we've gone through the seasons. How much of um, how much of the the cultural perception? I don't know if we've talked about this or not, but you know we have the people that go, well, it's your mother or it's your father. You know, you have to love them. You have to spend time with them. You have to like. How much of that yeah. cultural perception comes into the the dichotomy that you're you're dealing with right now? Um. I mean, I know you usually like... Yeah, I I don't feel like I have anyone in my life that would judge me for that. So I don't don't feel that pressure. So you're not judging yourself of that either? No. Okay. No, yeah. Maybe some with my mother. Yep. Um, Definitely not with my father, but maybe there there may be some part of that there um, that I'm not aware of. I wouldn't totally rule that out. Right. Um... But no, I don't, I don't, I really feel like I, (laughs) I had an experience when my, uh, when my mom died, Mm -hmm. uh, one of my mother's friends had reached out and they, I mean, we had never really talked about this. It was one of my mother's friends. Like it wasn't really somebody that I open up to, you know, about. Yep. And you know she said without any kind of prompting like you know i'm sorry for the loss of you know your your mom and you know i she was really really close to you and probably closer than you know your mother was like yeah that kind of a thing that's validation yeah that is yeah so it's kind of cool to have the validation and at the same time to have a better understanding of who these two people really were, you know, because I'm, can always be a critical person, right? Right. (laughs) So like in the moment, you know, of her struggling with that wheelchair, it might not have felt like, you know, validating of love. Yeah. You know, it might've felt like, holy shit, like, you know, She's going whatever. up a hill yeah, in a this, wheelchair, she could right? get hurt, like, and then what would happen? Right, or, or like, you know, her husband would have been bitching about how she can't just get up and walk to it, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, and you don't see that kind of thing in the midst of it. Right. But it's been interesting how looking back at the comparisons, Yeah. like, in one, you were seeing all the right things, but there was no feeling. Right. And the other, you were seeing maybe not all the right things, but the feeling's there. You yeah. know, that love is there. Yeah. So it's been nice to see 
how much love she was able to give and teach me. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it were my mother, she would have just said, no, we're not going anywhere. You need to come to my house so I can control everything. You know, right, or it right. needs to be my idea to do this. It would, it, it would have never been, you know, let me push my boundaries a little bit to be there with you. Yeah. Because you're important enough to me for me to want to do that. Right. Yeah. I'm so grateful my, my mother died before I had kids. Yeah. Yeah. Just before, too, huh? Yeah. It's almost like the universe just what I mean, just yeah. swept in twice. She died in, in May, and, and my oldest was born in November or October. Yeah. 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 Just in the nick of time. Yeah. Just enough for my mother to say that she had a grandchild. Actually, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Like, yeah. she was all excited about that, the fact yeah. that she was yeah. a grandmother. Yeah. And so she got to experience that without actually passing on any of that issue-ish stuff to... What's hilarious about that is about 10 days before she died, she stopped talking about five days before she died. Uh And she got really delusional within that, like, maybe 12 days before she died, right? So we're, like, the second day into, like, totally checked out woman. Yeah. Totally not there. And we're kind of getting to the point where, you know, we're spending a little bit more time with her to, like say our goodbyes we know that it's coming that kind of a thing and uh i was sitting in there with jessica because we had put my mother in our bedroom and we were sleeping in the basement and jessica and i were sitting in our room and talking to my mother and she's not really responding because at that point she wasn't you know she was starting to really kind of shut down and she looked at jessica with this like nasty look and she was like, are you sure that's yours? She looks around and looks at me. <laughs> and it was, it was so funny looking back on it. Like, uh-huh. we've laughed about it, but that's who my mother really was. Yeah. So, my mother was always paranoid. She yeah. was always, always looking for who was going to fuck her over and then devoting herself to whoever would. I mean, she just, it it was a constant thing. Yeah. And it's funny to look back on it and see, like, if that, if she hadn't pretended all the time, that's who we would have really known. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's interesting, isn't it? It is. She had, there were a couple of moments throughout my childhood where that part of her broke through in front of people. Yeah. And... (laughs) It was validating for me because I could see other people look at her the way I felt like I should be able to look at her. Right. You know? Yeah. And the funny thing about that, though, in your dynamic, I'm sure she was your safe place, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about desensitization. Yep. And there's good portion, good pieces of that, and there's not so great pieces of that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about both. Okay, cool. So desensitization, we have certain emotions, right? We've got sympathy, and we have active, affective empathy, and we have cognitive empathy. And during a desensitization so, process... can you explain those terms? Yep. Okay. So the effective empathy is the feeling with somebody. Right. And then the cognitive is the ability to understand cognitively... Their feeling. Their feeling something. Right. Okay. So you're not necessarily relating to that on a feeling level, but you yeah. can understand it cognitively. Right. Right. And the other one, you would be relating on a feeling level. On a feeling level. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. And so when those two pieces of you become desensitized, let's say through um, constant exposure to violence. So, you know, you, you get a kid that's growing up in a hard neighborhood who's seeing violence on the streets and mm-hmm. he's seeing violence at the school. And then unfortunately he goes home and he's probably seeing violence there too. Right. So if you have a kid that's exposed to a lot of violence, when you, when you initially see something violent, 
it has a negative impact on you physically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's supposed to. Because then that makes you act. If you're, generally your heart rate will go up, you might break out into a sweat, your body heat will, will go up, you yeah. might feel sick to your stomach, your head might even start to whirl or pound. Uh, there's all sorts of different negative, re- they call it a negative response in the body. Yeah. yeah. And that's so that you act. Like, oh gosh, yeah, get the hell out of here. Yeah. Preparing to work. And yeah. Work. Yeah. So when you expose somebody to a violent situation over and over again, in order for them to be able to adapt and live, eventually that response isn't going to happen. Right. So if they're having to live in this every single day of their life, and many people out there are coming from places of extreme abuse and trauma, when we put our children through that, and they're living with it every day, something has to happen, or they're going to go batshit crazy. Right. You can't live like that. You can't live in that state of heightened experience all the time. Right. Yeah. So you'll adapt. And eventually these negative responses become less and less within the body, which is dangerous because... Not only will it maybe stop you from being able to act so that you can save your own damn life because you're not getting this negative response and getting out of a dangerous situation, but in the end, it can eventually maybe make you less repulsed by the action and you may, you know, start behaving as the atmosphere that you're coming up in because it's become so... You know, normal. Yeah, it's normalized. So you right. become less. Hold on, you what? So you become less. There would be less yes, negative. So the more you're exposed, the right. less. So if I get hit every day, I'm likely to become someone who would hit someone. You could potentially. You I mean, could. it could open you up to a bunch, a, a host of problems, but yeah. at the very least, if you got hit every day, it would no longer be a big issue. Yeah. It would no longer... Well, okay, so and here's so... the thing. That last part just threw me, because I don't... That didn't sound right to me. That, okay. you know, somebody would become dangerous because they were in dangerous situations. But that could just be a trigger for me, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so I'm not I'm not sure where I'm at with that. Whether it's my yeah. mind thinking that doesn't sound right, or whether it's my heart thinking that doesn't sound right. Well, and that that has a lot to do with your sympathy, your affective empathy, and your cognitive empathy. Right. You are very emphatic, right. and you empathic. have a, you are, and you ha- yes, and you I'm have also emphatic. Right. <laughs> and you have a lot of compassion. Yeah. But you're. You know, you're you. Yeah. And not everybody is able to escape from situations where they're able to hold that. Well, this is the thing. Um, so, I actually experienced this. So, when, because of the environment I grew up in and the amount of violence and consistent trauma, I actually have something wrong with my amygdala, which is the part of my brain that starts all of that stuff you're talking about. Yeah. So I have what's called a dysfunctional amygdala. And that means that oftentimes I will, you know, I could be driving down the road and I'll feel afraid like there's a ghost in the car and I'm 10 years old. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Other times I'm driving down the road and a deer runs out in front of me and I don't skip a beat. My heart doesn't change. Nothing. I just drive right by like nothing happened. Yeah. Or, you know, um, it, it's part of what's what's made me as capable at what I do at work as I have been. Um, historically, I worked with some very violent people. Mm-hmm. And my I don't respond to violence in... I don't have that... My heart rate doesn't go up. I don't mm-hmm. get anxious. I don't get... Um, the only thing that I will notice is I'll start to shake. Because my muscles are getting that... They're getting that message move. Right. But I'm not doing it. So I will start to shake. Yep. Um, 
which is one of the negative responses. Right. They call it a negative response. I always think of it as a positive thing. Well, it's a survival response. Yeah, because it triggers you, but it's considered a negative because it doesn't feel comfortable when it's happening. Right, right. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I completely relate to this in the sense that I don't respond appropriately yeah. to crisis situations. Yeah. I respond inappropriately. Right. I get very calm. I get very thoughtful. Like, you know what I mean? I don't... You can use your logic right. rather than your instincts. Completely. And that, I think, is a really good thing. You know, well, logical thinking. instinct pops up when you're just going down the road. Right. That's, right. that's the shitty part of it, yeah. is that my amygdala does fire. It just doesn't fire at the appropriate time. Right. <laughs> right. right. It's like, wow, no. we've been a little too calm for a little too long, and right. now right. I'm going to make a mountain out of a molehill. Right. Well, it's like the, uh, the situation I talked about when, when we were hunting. Yeah. I mean, I had... Assault rifles pointed at me. Mm-hmm. I was calm as all day. Yeah, you know, I was like talking to my daughter still about how to safely hold her gun and open it up, and they could wait. You know, it was like there was no connection there. Yep. And an hour and a half later, and it all comes in. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like so a very delayed reaction. Very delayed reaction. But there's also the times when everything's great, and boom. It'll go off. Yeah. And whatever my mind attaches to at the time will be whatever it creates that creates that response. Yeah. Of, you know, uh, feeling sick and having a heartbeat that's going crazy, that kind of stuff. So Yeah. You're not so, the yeah. only person that I know that's like that. And I've always found that to be... Well, no, I mean, it's... it's very... It's, yeah. It's a, it, it is a good tool in times when you can use your logic yeah. to maneuver through something dangerous rather than just instinct. But absolutely, when you need it to trigger quick like that, too, so you put on your brakes in a hurry so you don't total your vehicle because right. the deer's standing right there. Right. And it's not doing what it's supposed to do. That sucks. Right. And that could cause you death by hitting the deer. So, right. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I've never... It's a double-edged sword. I've never been able to um, empathically understand, right, understand emotionally the people who almost hit a deer and then they're like I gotta pull over oh my god this happened to me there's this huge story because it almost happened like it didn't happen so why don't you just keep driving right like right nerves you can't understand that it's that initial whatever I I don't get that I don't I don't even get that when it's appropriate to get that right I don't even get that when it's inappropriate to get that like I never have that sort of response Mm mm-hmm but I think part of that is because oftentimes that response for me isn't connected to events. So I don't connect it to events. Right. Right. Wherefore, I think a typical person would probably, you know, feeling event connect because they happen simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it becomes a story easier. Do you right. know what I mean? Absolutely. And, that's, it, and it's, it's ironic because, like, for me, and, and we've hung out for years, so, like, Jason, I have always... I shouldn't say always, but for a long time, I have I have envied that aspect. Not the other piece, you know, not the yeah. piece where it pops up when it's not supposed to. But right. I'm always like, damn it, he's so fucking calm right now. You know, he did almost hit that moose, but he didn't hit the moose, so he's fine. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here, I need to pull over to the road, you know, the side of the road, and, and, and do that acting out. There's not going to necessarily be a, a huge story, but I'm like, whew, I almost hit that. Okay, I need a moment. And then I can go on. But, uh-huh. but like... Any little thing, and my my amygdala will go off, which is is one of those pieces. Like any little bit of confrontation, yeah. Uh-huh. And and I watch you, and you know that's why. I like, but that's like within that that dream that I had. You were like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, you know, like you know, you yeah. were no big deal. We're in somebody else's house, and you're like, yeah, no, I just talked to them. It's fine. Yeah. And that that did not strike me as weird in any way, shape, or form. No, because that's how I am. Because that's yeah. how you are. And it's, I mean, I've I had a a staff person at one point. Um, complain about me because I was working with a client um, I was a supervisor for a residential program and one of the clients punched through a window mm-hmm. and he cut his entire forearm yeah mm-hmm. so it was like skin flapping over yeah it wasn't deep enough to be cutting like arteries or anything 
but it was deep enough that you know his you could see the muscle and it was it was gory yeah um you know and we had to like it was the first time I ever like had to clean up serious amounts of blood like because there was a lot of blood yeah um fortunately it was all out in the garage so it was fine but um so the staff came in and this had happened and I was like well blah 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 and they complained about me because I wasn't um like emotional enough about it that's ridiculous like I wasn't uh what was it what did they say they said that I I seemed like I was grinning they said wow right and that's yeah. like for for those of you out in the world, that's my normal face. Everybody always says that about me. Right. Some people have like, resting bitch face. Jason has resting right. grin face. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like resting. I know you're doing something shitty. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But yeah. So it, it's uh, this is interesting to me because in the in the context of relating this to trauma, so I have kind of what's at the end of that, right? Yeah. I I. In the in the diagnosable world spectrum of trauma, I'm yeah. right in between, um, like, I'm like right below borderline and right above disassociated, right? Yeah. So what happens before that is what Ed's talking about, which is the hypervigilance, mm-hmm. right? And hypervigilance is not just... Um, knowing what's going on everywhere, but imagine as if your body became a koosh ball, right? Yep. And oh my God. all, every single <clears throat> one of those little hairs on that koosh ball are constantly flexed straight out, yep. mm-hmm. right? That's hypervigilant. And then prior to that, you experience what Lori's talking about, which is the desensitization, right? Like it's just not going to matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it continues to matter, yes. and then you become hypervigilant because your subconscious at that point is working to beat your conscious, which is trying to say, we just need to ignore it. Right. So your survival skills are still in there somewhere. Right. Um, and then as it goes up, like when the why disassociating is different is because that's when you, you start to lose that survival skill. You yeah. start to lose the part of you that wants to be there at all still yeah mm-hmm. and then that progresses and then you know obviously um it can progress very dramatically but yeah you know we're all different different things can happen to us but when we're consistently exposed to things eventually it can start breaking down that mechanism so that those natural things meant to help us yeah aren't like you said they're not triggering yeah right and that can put you in potentially dangerous situations because you're walking down the street and there's, you know, there's, there's all these people with guns and they're ready to, to shoot everybody. But you're used to seeing people running around with guns every day, shooting people anyway. So you're just going to keep walking right through that thinking maybe you won't get shot. The, right. you know, those things aren't going to trigger. Or not even you. worrying about getting shot because it's it just a, it's it, a fact of life. Yeah, it's, you, it's like walking in and seeing a plant. Right. You know, in the house or whatever. Right. It's It just becomes... See, that, that again is something I totally relate to. Yeah. yeah. Because I have a, a client um, who lives in an urban area that's very, very, very not urban. Okay? But it's what this region of the world would consider urban. And there was a shot. And he thought he had to cancel his services because somebody had shot somebody like basically on the corner where he lives right and to me i mean i grew up in in a large city right and i'm thinking like why what's the big deal right this happens all the time right right? yeah Yeah. like that was you know last night it's they it's not a big deal now right Right. there's a manhunt underway he's not going to be at your place like yeah you know and they had him like sequestered in these two blocks and it was all like surrounded by cops and stuff but it was that's that's yeah i mean you just don't you don't take it as seriously and i think you don't learn from it like one of the specific that's examples that's the biggest for me, problem is that you don't learn from it so you right. put in danger more <laughs> i remember passing cards yeah and as long as i didn't die i made it right 
I remember you passing cars, and as long as we didn't die, we made it. Holy shit. Yeah, and, and for me, that's yeah. really what it was. And there was nothing that I was getting out of that experience to say, maybe that's not a great idea. Right. right. I was getting out of the experience, maybe I can get closer next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you're, because your body still wants to have those, those feelings. Yeah. So now that we there is a there are positive right. Well, that's what I was going to ask. It's like I, now I, that we've gone to yeah, the deep side. Yeah, let's, I, I figured we'd get into the dark side. I need some lightening up because that was that was yeah. a traumatic. Uh, well, and traumatic it is. Thought, you, know, you know, it is, and it, it spirals. It, you yeah. Know? So it can really spiral. Yeah. But the po- there is a positive side to desensitization. Okay. Okay. So I mean, it's not always. It's not always negative. It's something that can happen in very good ways. And there's a doctor, and I wrote down her name um, because she actually is one of the people. Psychologist Mary, um, I don't know if they pronounce her name Cover or Cover, but Mary, I say Cover Jones. Okay. But are you guys familiar with her? Well, she developed a process called... um, Systematic desensitization. Okay. And it's used for positive things. It's used so if you have a lot of anxiety and, you know, those types of behaviors, save gut phobia. Mm-hmm. That's like debilitating. You can use certain techniques to help desensitize you to that. Yeah. yeah. And so it can be a positive thing. Right. You know. Desensitization therapy is literally the number one ranked therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it used to be CBT, and they, within the last five years, they changed it to exposure therapy. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense um, for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. I know personally, like, again, to bring back to my experience for the, with, the, with the medication, I've become more aware. And you mentioned the passing people. Well, now, I'm on a highway and I'm passing people, but I would tense every time I go past a car. Yeah. So now I'm aware of it and I'm, I'm doing it on purpose. Yeah. You know, and... and, and, to, and try to, to, to try to normalize it. Right. To try to normalize it, to try to desensitize yeah. my nervous system to know... I'm just passing a car at 150... No, no. Um, and, you know, on the highway. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. You know. Buckle up for this segment of Off the Rails. Okay, so... <laughs> it's a struggle looking... Like, like trying to find things that are humorous sometimes. Especially, like, in this day and age. But yeah. I found a couple of things... And one of my my little rabbit holes was funny moments in history. I was watching some TikTok, and there was, uh, which I don't have the story here, unfortunately, but there was the the world's deadliest food fight, which happened in one of the world wars. And uh, it was a a ship that had come up uh, beside a submarine that was surfaced, and there were all these people on decks. Wow. And so in order to get away, they threw potatoes at the submarine, and 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 created chaos so that they could pull away enough to actually destroy the submarine. So nice. it was it was a funny little thing. So I'm like, okay, nice. deadly food so fight. their sonar wouldn't work because there were potatoes falling everywhere. Right, right. So absolutely. They, in the submarine, essentially, they couldn't see. Right. Well, and on top of that, the, because it was surface, they were their their people were on top of the submarine, so they were distracting the people too. Oh, okay. oh wow. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was kind of a funny thing, and I was like. I wonder how much cool stuff there is in history that's funny that we don't think about. So yeah. that's where we are. So we all know about World War One and World War Two, but are you familiar with the Great Emu War? The Great Emu War. Emu. Of 1976. No. Uh, uh, sort of, yes. So the Great Emu War. <laughs> After World War Two, the Australian military started the Great Emu War, where they tried to kill or cull emus with machine guns. The wow. war lasted, right, right. That's what That's they do awful. with pigs now. Oh, like wild pigs or like, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. Wild pigs in the, like, Texas, Wyoming, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, they shoot them from, um, they use automatic weapons and shoot them from helicopters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, they're taking out, uh, you know, 100,000 a week. And they're only able to um, stop the overpopulation by, like, a third. Oh wow! So they're breeding two times or 
two-thirds faster than they're able to kill them. Wow. Oh, I yeah, didn't realize. That's incredible. Yeah, that yeah, that they're totally be... taking over the ecosystem of the South. They're killing everything. Wow. Well, I guess that's kind of the thing that was going on in Australia with the emus as well. Yeah. So the, the, the war lasted six days. <laughs> okay. I bet that was a bloody war. Yeah, well, I'm, oh, I'm assuming 25,000, yeah. no, 2,500 rounds of ammunition had wow. been fired, and no emu was killed. It was declared wow. an emu victory in the end, which is which is the part that I was like, "What? What the That's hell?" That's awesome. Go emu, right? Yeah. I mean, like if if they showed them, if another world war happens, I want an elite team of emus on my right? side. They're Absolutely. stealthy, and you can't shoot them. Apparently, apparently so like yeah, because they move so quickly. They have weird emu powers. They're you know? very they're cool. cool birds. They I really think. are. They really are. They so, are, but they can be really aggressive. Well, yeah, they can and they're be big. Bitches. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they can yeah. be, yeah. Well, and ostriches, too, in the same way. They can be right. incredibly aggressive right. as well. Yeah. So, you know, that, and that's a, like you said, it's a big bird. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, giant ass chicken coming at you, for, you know, and wants to peck your eyeballs out. You yeah. Know? It's kind of like emus the... tend to be very territorial, where ostriches <laughs> that's tend right. to be more, um, they move places. You right. Know, they're used Nomadic. to that. But yeah. emus tend, sometimes tend to be territorial. I've seen people use those in place of peacocks. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. On, As guard, like guard dogs or yeah, whatnot. Yeah. 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 On like, you know, mansions and stuff. You see the peacocks just walking around. Yeah. Yeah. That they're actually there because they will rip your shit up if you cross that line. They My are cousin also, used yeah. to raise peacocks. Yeah. Yeah. She spent a long time raising them. I thought that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love the feathers, obviously. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. Funny side note story because you mentioned the peacocks. So, I was driving, this was years ago, I was driving and, and you know, where, where I was at the time, like, peacocks are not, like, first on my list of things that I'm ever going to see, you know. But I do see other animals, you know. We, so well, you know, yeah. you see, you see, you know, dogs, cats in the road, you, you'll see, you know, like, deer and whatnot in the road, yeah. you know, that's fine. So I turned this corner and I was, came face to face with a peacock in the middle of the road and I just sat there, and it like was such oh. a surreal experience because yeah. I'm like, this is this is did out of I, place. Right, yeah. so completely out of place, uh, and it just you know it it walked it fanned it walked away They're you know the, it was very pretty but I I couldn't help but you know laugh my ass off because like that's just not what I was expecting wow. you know several years I, back uh, go yeah. ahead go ahead I, well it's not about a peacock uh, so. <laughs> well several years back I went to a um, animal rescue. Mm-hmm. And they had a white oh, yeah. peacock. Yeah, yep. albino. Oh, my gorgeous. gosh. Took my breath Did it away. Did any color in it? Yeah, a totally, little bit in the tail. A little bit of blue in the tail. Yeah. 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 That oh is beautiful. Oh, yeah. They're gorgeous. I just kept going back to it and going right. back to it. I was just Yeah. Moved. And they get like a pearlized look on them. Yeah, oh, it's they, almost like an alabaster. They still have the iridescence yep. in the feather, but yeah. they don't have the pigment. Yeah. So, yeah, it gives them a really good mean, Now I want white peacock feathers. Yeah, I was I, I'm so... Sure I'm just go kill a white peacock no. and rip them out. And they're also good eating, apparently. I don't know. Oh, I didn't I want to eat it. That. I wanted I've to hug that it. they're really gamey, though. <laughs> yeah. That they're very strong, but they that they are, like, very... Stringy? No, not, not oh. stringy. Like, oh. the, the flavor is strong, but their meat is insanely, like... Tender? Tender, yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend that was, I, it was a coworker of mine, and she kept telling me, I mean, I love birds. Birds are my thing, you yeah. know? And she kept telling me for weeks that she kept seeing this turkey, and she couldn't understand, she couldn't figure out what kind of a turkey it was. It was a little <laughs> turkey, but it didn't look quite like a turkey. It had a really weird head. <laughs> and she finally drove me by this place, and it was a guinea hen. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. she thought that was a turkey. That was yeah, right. Oh, so funny. I mean it's just it's funny how people can even if they see something that yep. isn't what's supposed to be there, they don't know about, they can kinda translate it in their heads to be something to else. Something else. Yeah. I just saw a really sick turkey. I don't think it's gonna make it. Right. It's and it turning turns gray. out to Yeah, it turns <laughs> right. into a guinea head Gen after yeah. all. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. I used to raise guineas. I loved my guineas. <laughs> So uh, the next one, um, how do you, how do you, how would you guys rate your driving abilities? Pretty good, you know. I feel like a pretty confident driver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in in 1895, in the state of Ohio, there were literally two cars. 
Okay. Oh, wow. That okay. makes sense. Two cars on the road. That's it. Yeah, eighteen ninety-five. Right. That makes yeah. Sense. Not not a big deal, right? And the drivers of these two cars crashed into each other. What the hell? Wow. <laughs> wow. Good thing wow. they only went five miles an hour back then. Right? right? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, how? How, how does right? that happen? Two needles find each other in a haystack. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Was there extensive damage? Uh, you know, I, I didn't really find out much more about the Were story, they both unfortunately. Totaled? I, I would guess, <laughs> although back then everything was made out I of would like guess steel back then, and iron. Yeah, you so could probably ram not. something in yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Things, you know. Yeah, things were built back in the funny, day. Though. Yeah. They, they must crashed. have been like in a rich area, and two people in the same town were like playing, you know. Yeah. What, what is that? You chicken? Know, the, beat the Smiths. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so one got a car, and then the other rich guy got a yeah. car. Yeah. Neither one yeah. of them knew how to drive it because driving licenses weren't a thing back Absolutely. then. Absolutely. No. no. Yeah. So, I mean, operating it to begin with would have been so much more difficult than anything we have today right yeah. I mean, there was nothing mechanical at all when you were shifting those things you were pushing into and, and the rotors shifting. of that transmission right and yeah. and, I mean, and power steering i mean it was not even a th- right. you know, that's not a thing either so holy crap oh yeah no yeah no power steering no that's why they used to have such tiny wheels on cars oh that makes sense because it yeah was that does make a lot of sense. easier to steer yeah absolutely huh i didn't know that that's cool yeah so useless knowledge useless knowledge that's usually now, now i, I have been imparted with knowledge. the useless knowledge that i will impart on somebody someday yeah Maybe. i love that kind of stuff so uh I, i've got these in in different categories so this one is general hoaxes and practical jokes so in the late 1700s a letter appeared in the major london newspaper complaining that england was being forced to take deported french prisoners Oh, okay. Jesus. Right? Are they going to build a wall? Yeah, uh, Maybe. Uh, the British were furious and wanted it stopped. The French became upset because the uproar implied that England was too good for French prisoners. But here's the thing. Both governments became involved, but this wasn't actually happening. And they were on the brink of war when it was unveiled to be a hoax. The original letter... And wow. but, but but are you kidding me? No, yeah, no. But, no, but, but this would have been so easy to do in that time, right? Yeah. Absolutely, because there's no communication. Right. right. It's not like nowadays where well, we have all of this dial stuff. Someone up, right? Or email. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're talking from what London to France. You're talking probably at least a couple of days on a horse, right? Yeah. Easily, right? So the thing is, is that the hoax was perpetrated by Benjamin Franklin, <gasps> who was an ambassador at the time. And was just simply bored. Oh, wow. Right, he was ambassador to France. Right, and he was bored. So he did this thing to stir up some trouble. What, what is the punishment? <laughs> did he, what like, a yeah, Fake wicked. news, it's all fake Although, news. I mean, he was known to be... Oh, such the jokester. Yeah, well, and, and just, uh, yeah, he didn't take much in life seriously, I don't think. Right. Funny. So did he get in trouble? Like, uh, what did you know, it say no, about because, his because reprimanding? He, because he was an diplomatic community. Yeah, diplomatic community. Because uh, he was ambassador, yeah, and diplomatic yeah. community was a big thing back then. Bigger in some ways than it is now. Well, it needed to be if you're gonna play pranks like that. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, back then you weren't able to jump on a jet in 15 minutes and fly a thousand Absolutely. miles away. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, you right. had they had to actually respect that you don't get murdered because your country is at war with them. Or I mean, right. you know, it was an actual joining kind of respectful thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So crazy is as crazy does. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, mental illness and, and like politics and, and, you know, high royal families go hand in hand. I don't know why. It's just a thing. Okay. Megalomaniacs, because so on and so forth. Because it goes hand in hand with the human race right in general, right it I just think. seems yeah, like that's what i think too we just <laughs> see them more often right because well right, right. okay famous absolutely yeah. sure yeah so uh caligula who was a roman emperor uh-huh. once held like he this guy was crazy like like crazy crazy he once held a large meeting solely for the purpose to tell the attendants that he could have them all killed if he wanted to okay okay yeah right all yeah right. then he dismissed the meeting it was just that all right. All right. but he also did things like he waged war on poseidon Oh, God, are you kidding me? Which is the god of the sea, right? So he led 10,000 soldiers to the sea and ordered them to stab it with spears. Wow. 
Well, I just, <laughs> I mean, I guess you do what you're told. Well, yeah, I mean, they're his soldiers. So, right. I mean, but, yeah. wow. Seems like a waste right. of time to me. Just but... stab the sea. Stab yeah. the sea. Okay. So he also once marched his entire army towards the English Channel in an effort to invade Britain. However, upon arrival to the Channel, he decided that he no longer wished to invade Britain, so he ordered them all to collect their gear and go home. All right, then. Yeah. So not quite the... Well, that's what happens when you give somebody that's really indecisive a lot of power. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And bored. I think he was bored. And bored. And bored. (laughs) So he needed to come up with things to do. Right. And not just fun things to do. Yeah, no. (laughs) Not like trying to start a war between England and France. Right. Right. Poseidon would have kicked their ass, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's what I was hoping the story would end. Yeah. Right? You're like, yeah. all of a sudden, a title wave? Poseidon, like, yeah. just swallows them up. Yeah, there. absolutely. <laughs> they all lose. I mean, they didn't have a chance with that. No, so. no. But, you know, I mean, it is a thing. <laughs> so, uh... When bunnies attack, you know, so I don't know. Oh, like, God. I am a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, yes. I've never met a mean bunny. That's so w- I don't know about all of you, but you two, but I huge, huge. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the Search for the Holy Grail. Um, oh, Monty Python. Monty Python fan. Okay. okay. And so there's there's the there's the the holy hand grenade and, and bunnies. Are are you familiar with that at all? I haven't. Okay. Seen so it, it's no. like a killer bunny. It's in a you know it's it's yeah it's bad. A killer bunny. A killer bunny. And they're like, oh, it's just a rabbit. And then you see the guy walk up, and then all to the cave. And then five seconds later, you look yeah, back, and his body dead. parts is everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's a thing. Uh huh. So Napoleon was attacked by a horde of bunnies while hunting. He was a short man. He was a short man. How short was he? <laughs> he was Apparently, like four foot something. Yeah, he was really short. Still taller than a bunny. Right. Well, we, but it was a herd. Of <laughs> well, it was, and so this, this is, this is, this is what happened. Okay. Oh God. According to this, this uh, source, the the emperor had requested that a rabbit hunt be set up for him and his men. So the chief of staff. Uh, was in charge of setting it up, so he had his men capture 3,000 rabbits. Make sure there oh. was one for them to shoot. To release them during poor little the hunt, right? Yeah, well, no, that's that's fine. That's fine, because when Napoleon started to prowl, accompanied by the beaters and like the gun bearers and all that, the rabbits were released from their cages, and the hunt was on. But... But if you get that many rabbits together, the rabbits yeah. didn't scurry in fright. Instead, they bounded towards Napoleon and his men. Hundreds of fuzzy bunnies gunned in Thousands. the world's most powerful man. I love that. <laughs> you go, bunnies. That's right. They basically released the herd behind them. Right? Like... <laughs> wow. Right, yeah. there you go. When bunnies attack. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Remember, you can always reach out to us through our Facebook page at Stumbling Through Enlightenment. Follow us on Twitter at Stumbling, T-H-R-O-U-2. Go to our website to check out more episodes and information about us personally. That is stumblingthroughenlightenment.squarespace.com. You can also reach out to us directly at stumblingthroughenlightenment at gmail.com. That's it for today. Have a great week.